Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Australia goes down fighting the Netherlands and Argentina through to the final eight, and we will take a look at the matches to come. I'm your host, Amy Duggan. This is the Optus Sport Podcast. Let's get into the Gagan Pod. It's great to be joined by a couple of legends of the game today, no doubt all feeling very proud of Australia's performance, but also a little heartbroken after this morning's result. A big welcome to Tommy Orr, part of the Socceroos 2014 World Cup team. Great to have you on, Tommy. Pleasure to be back. Thank you. And Michael Bridges with 87 Premier League appearances and 21 goals and just the one hat trick. I do have to ask, have you left the couch all month yet, Bridgie? I seem to connect with you and you're in the same spot day in, day out. What is the point in moving from the couch when you've got four games on in the whole day? Now we're obviously down to two, going in the round of 16. Yeah, the kids keep walking past on the way to school and just looking in the door saying, Dad, we'll see you after school. And the wife, well, yeah, she just locked us in the room. So it's been absolutely brilliant. I am worn out because it was the last game. Obviously, the Socceroos, we are going to cover it. They came so close and I think I kicked every ball and headed every ball from the lounger. With them. So you've done your exercise for today anyway. Yep. All right. And also, despite it being the earlier hours of the morning now in Qatar, Mark Schwarzer will hopefully be joining us live, even if it's from the car coming to us after the game. But we will get on. Let's talk about this tournament for Australia. Obviously, the result is disappointing. The Argentinians were just and only just too good in the end. But where was this game won? Yeah, obviously, uh, I thought the way we set up for this game Game was you know it was a similar theme to the to the previous game against Denmark. I thought we really frustrated them, and the first 20, 30 minutes of the game were fantastic. I can't really recall a single chance that they created, and um, you know as as the time kind of wore on, we started to get more and more joy with the ball, and you know had some set piece pressure and these types of things. And um, yeah, I thought that you know to to give away the free kick the way we did, and for them to score before half time was a little bit disappointing and I think the boys will be a bit um, yeah, filled with regret with how that happened because it was you know, maybe a little bit preventable but I mean it is difficult to be too critical because we, we put our you know, heart and soul into the game and we were immense once again but we've, we came up just short. I've got to say there was two things and two moments where we lost the game. One was a thousand matches in his career for Messi and what does he go and do? He decided to turn it on to the Messi show I've just been watching the highlights um, in the analysis after the game here in England and they were just showing his dribbles, his run rate, how he turned it on and what he was doing. And, and when he's on like that, you know, he, he's so hard to stop. I know Bates tried to get into him, um, Bacchus left one on him early doors, trying to leave their mark and stamp on the game saying we're going to show you no respect, but he found a way. And I thought his goal, his touch was was sublime. Like you've just said there, Tommy, it was from the free kick. He just followed his pattern of play into the box. They found his feet. He slotted one home. In the other area, I've got to say, it was Matty Ryan's mistake at the back. You know, he's so good. 
his distribution normally, his, his feet are so good. And at that moment, he got pressed so well and he just, he ran out of ideas. And unfortunately, they were the two sucker punches. It was Messi in his thousandth game and um, a, a mistake by Matty Ryan. But the rest of it, I thought they were absolutely superb. Tommy's talked about the tactics. We got it spot on, um, disciplined and, and had a crack and almost got the extra time at the end with uh, Garan Quell coming on. And unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Let's just walk through a few of these moments because you've obviously mentioned Messi's goal. It was just individual brilliance in his 1,000th game. Also, his first knockout stage goal uh, at a World Cup. So there's a little interesting stat for you. But Tommy, or Matt Ryan's moment, he will want back, that is for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I feel re- obviously really sorry for him because he's been one of our standout performers in this tournament. And, um, you know, like Bridgie just touched on, you know, playing out from the back, that's one of you know, the main parts of his game and his biggest strengths. And I guess it was just, uh, you know, one lapse in concentration or one error of judgment. And at, at that level, you get punished for it. And, um, you know, you saw with uh, the, the Martinez, the Argentina goalkeeper, there was one occasion where Mitch Duke almost nicked the ball off him. And it was a similar situation at the other end. And, you know, sometimes yeah, these things, you know, you don't get the rub of the green. And I'm sure if Matty had his time again, he would... Um, Obviously, probably put it into Rosette, but yeah, I mean, I think that, to be honest, look, looking at the game generally, I think that, you know, when we were down 1-0 at halftime, we had to open up, and that's when the likes of Messi, you know, you're leaving space for him, and I think that's kind of where the game was lost, because, you know, if we could keep it nil all going into halftime, I think that the second half would have been completely different, and as the game wore on, we could have frustrated them, and perhaps nicked it, and I think that was probably going to be our best chance. Bridget, I just want to go off topic for just a second here with um, Matty Ryan and Camille Grabara because Grabara obviously had a dig at Matty Ryan throughout the season when they were swapping positions, yeah. and this morning he's posted, uh, it must have been politics for sure, Matt Ryan, on Twitter. Uh, nothing like a bit of team camaraderie, huh? <laughs> Yes, well, it sounds very much like the Belgium camp, doesn't it? Because they've all gone home on separate planes. They're not speaking to each other. And, um, yeah, this is just another tongue-in-cheek moment. Uh, I hope Matty Ryan decides to get him in the in the um, the boxing ring at the gymnasium and they sort it out there. Yeah, because there's been there's been one. To, you know, the goalkeepers' union is a very hard union to break, and hopefully, we we'll hear from Mark Swartz on this one. Uh, there's not many. It's it's the interesting thing that I've found in my whole career, right? You get competition with strikers, but you've got to build a partnership with a striker and sometimes you're playing with your front three. As Liverpool have found out with goalkeepers, it's numero uno. But you always get like a number two and a number three that are happy to come along on the ride and the journey. And if they don't get game time, sit on the bench. Whereas obviously this this is the first time in my you know in my career I've heard that there's been a, a huge spat between two guys. And obviously the man of the moment is here himself. Yeah, Schwartzy, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us. I know you've been uh, rushing back from the game. What a game it was. We've only just talked about Messi and and uh, his individual brilliance and got into Matt Ryan's moment that we said he wanted back. But I just went off topic a little bit because uh, Grabara this morning also posted uh, it wasn't all about politics and we're keen to get your thoughts on it. Um, well, apparently it's not all about <laughs> politics, is it? Um, <laughs> uh, look, uh, it, it's an interesting one. I, I was made aware of it and I did actually have a bit of look on his Instagram on his sorry Twitter feed and there's been a good mixture of people obviously having a bit of a go back at him. Um and you know, I I've never i I'm never been one to get involved in any of that stuff online. Um and for me it just shows you lack of class. Um and look, 
it's it's pretty low blow as well when 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 you know when Maddie's obviously made a mistake in the game, and I, I just think it's a really low blow. I mean, Maddie's not done it. Maddie's not said that. Made a comment himself when Grabara's had a bad game or made a mistake. You know, he's he's, he's had an opinion about something. He's made made a statement, right? Um, I, I feel, yeah, I think it's pretty. I think it's very poor form actually. I think uh, it's grubby too. Sporty, the goalkeepers' union is in turmoil. Finally, mates, you see. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you know, it's. It's not the first time that happens, and you know, I think he's given us goalkeepers a bad name because he's obviously a bit on the on that uh, extreme side. Um, I, I'd say most of us are not that bad. <laughs> well, let's get back to the game because there were some great moments for Australia as well. And even if the ultimate score didn't go our way, um, Craig Goodwin having a dig, just sending it. It looked like it was going to, you know, go hit a koala in a tree out the back of the stand there, but uh, takes the deflection and and goes in it and changes the game for Australia. Really, didn't it? You know what? I've been harsh though saying it's going to hit the stand up in the stands because had it have been doing that he wouldn't have been awarded the goal, right? So the, the shot was obviously on target and it's just taken a massive... Div- I, mean, I actually think it's even a handball. If it doesn't go in the goal, I think it's actually a penalty if you see the replay. Um, but, look, it's a great response. And it was a moment in time when, obviously, Manny makes that mistake and we go 2-0 down, but we seem to have a little bit more confidence in the game. And I actually felt that we stopped giving Argentina as much, too much respect because I think we gave them too much respect in that first that first half. Um, of course, you're playing against one of the best ever in the world, and every time he gets the ball, anything can happen. He's absolutely magical, and it's effortless. And if you watch him when the ball's away from him, you know, he doesn't do a lot. He just drifts. He walks. Well, he does he walk. Walks he's my take. Space. He's yeah. my type of player, Sporty. That's he my defender. He walks in space. He just he's constantly looking for a space to be in, and he does it so casually that people just I don't know don't notice it. I'm, I'm not sure. It, it's quite remarkable watching him, and you find yourself almost watching you're watching you know uh, a movie within a movie sort of thing. You, you're kind of watching someone. You just focus on going. What does this guy do? What, what is it about him other than obviously his touch and his movement? And but what what else does he do? What positions does he take up? Um, it's remarkable. Yeah, I think that, you know, that the thing that always surprises me about him is what, what you mentioned. He's obviously walking and, you know, it's all so slow paced. But then in, in a split second, he just turns it on and he explodes past defenders. And it's that change of pace. And to be honest, the Argentina attacks were a bit like that. Their, their build-up was so patient. And then when they decide to go, they go, you know, 100 miles an hour and it's just a real flick of a switch. And, I mean, obviously we were on the receiving end, which was... Um, difficult to, to like to watch today but it's it's obviously you know you have to admire the the quality I mean I only said it before the game that that's exactly what they expected so it wasn't something new they knew they would be coming up against it but the problem is obviously just because you know what they're going to do doesn't mean you can handle it right it doesn't mean you can nullify it or prevent it um, I think also what caught out Australia maybe a little bit was how Argentina are also happy for us to have possession for large periods of time they were happy to drop back and they were you know, they tried a couple of times to try and nick the ball in good positions, but were outplayed a little bit, played around. They didn't, the whole team didn't push up. And there were moments there where you felt there was a little bit of frustration coming on Messi's face. There was a couple of reactions, but then then he just turned it on and it 
really didn't bother him. <laughs> he looked like he was having fun toward the second half anyway. Uh, another great moment that could have turned the game was Aziz Bayic's run. How remarkable was that? <laughs> Phenomenal. Do you know what it is? Watch, watching that moment, I'm sitting and I've, I'm shouting, this could be one of the greatest goals we've ever witnessed at a World Cup. And it was that last ditch tackle. He's done everything right. I loved, I loved how he took it upon himself. And he thought, you know what it is? I'm, I'm going for this. And he's almost done a Messi or a Maradona against Argentina. Mm-hmm. That would have been a, a huge, huge moment. And it could, I was absolutely gutted. I think I woke the neighbours up next door um, in the house. But it was, it could have been one of the showcase moments in a World Cup. But it showed that Australia weren't scared. You know, they weren't, they weren't going to sit down and just and lie back and, and take it. And you know, fair play to taking it to Argentina in that way. I mean, he did it. He did it in the last game, didn't he? Against Denmark, he mm-hmm. almost did the same thing, and he almost got that shot away. So, and tonight when he did it, it was just like I mean, I, literally, I was I was up in the I was up in the on my uh, standing up, and as were quite a few Aussies around me, um, hoping, wishing that he'd get the shot off, but unfortunately, it was an incredible tackle. You have to admit, I was. No, it was a brilliant last ditch defending. It really was. I mean, if anything, look, if I'm going to be critical. He should have laid it off, <laughs> but that's the way it is. Oh well, you know, all in all, in the moment and right in the moment, there, Schwartz. You sometimes absolutely you, know, you, you you don't actually think, do you? Some of the biggest moments of brilliance come without thought, don't they? Well, well he's like eight yards out. He's eight yards out, and what is he going to lay it off? Very rarely will anyone lay it off at eight yards out. So there's, there's <laughs> I don't know. Messi set up one of his teammates in it who um, skyed a, a gift of a chance as well, and I remember the, yeah. looking at his face, going, "I cannot believe I've just given him this gift and he stuffed it." But um, then there was the moment that I think we were all on the edges of our seats. Australia was coming home strongly. We thought they were going to pinch the equaliser and then, you know, we were presented with this moment from um, Qual in the 97th minute and it's one of those moments I think we'll look back on many, many times in history and just think, if only, if only, if only, and, and wouldn't it have changed the trajectory of the tournament? How slow did that moment go, by the way, when he had the shot? <laughs> and Mar- as the ball went under Martinez, I don't know whether it was the camera angle that I, I had on or you had the same one as me, I thought, it's gone in. And, for, and then all of a sudden he pounced on it again. It was so deceiving. It was in slow-mo. And I was absolutely, obviously, gutted from because there's a lot of, you know, we know he signed for Newcastle United over here and I had a few Newcastle fans going, this is the boy that we've signed, this is our man, he's going to do something and he almost did it. And um, I think you could tell by the, the reaction of the players just, we've talked about Swartzy, when they cuddled Martinez, that showed how much it meant to Argentina and it also showed a massive respect for the way Australia played against them and given their all. Oh, look, it was a massive save as well from, from Martinez. I mean, he didn't have a lot to do in the game, but that, that last sort of 20 minutes or so, he was heavily involved, took a couple of decent crosses, um, but that save was huge, absolutely huge for him. Yeah, I think having him, you know, that that's it changes the whole dynamics of the Argentina team, you know, even at the Copa America, you know, you take him out of their team and it's a completely different prospect and obviously they have him to thank as well for tonight, but I think going forward that he's going to, you know, he's going to be have to be at his best if they're going to win it. Right, it was certainly entertainment plus for the last 20 minutes of that game. Um, unfortunately, our Socceroos went down. But I want to focus on a couple of quick-fire questions and we'll just go straight across uh, Tommy, Bridgie, Schwartzy. Let's talk about uh, most crucial player to the Socceroos. I think Harry Sutar in this, in this uh, tournament. I think that, you know, to, he was immense in every game. You know, any attacks he, he was uh, thwarting, you know, he was just rock-solid and... I'm sure that there'll be a lot of clubs monitoring his movements and, you know, his availability now. And for me, he was the standout performer for sure. 
Yeah, I've, I've got a, I've got a second. The second that Harry was a standout for me, along with Craig Goodwin. I mean, Aaron Moy, he's, you you know what you're going to get from Aaron Moy, and he, he's he's done it yet again. I think there's a lot of times he controlled the play. Um, all the commentators have been talking about and what he's done. But um, again, another man that really we didn't think was going to start the game was um, Craig Goodwin. He got a goal in the first game. He's, he's, he's done something again here tonight and he's always had an impact. So again, another man I wanted to give a shout and I think's made made an impact for myself for being a standout. Yeah, uh, look, I agree with both of you. I think both of them, Harry said obviously he's been an enormous. Um, he is enormous. He was enormous. Um, <laughs> I think he bounced back really well after the France game because obviously there's question marks over the defending high balls into the box they got caught out a little bit um, him and Kai Rolls um, I agree Craig Goodwin I thought was was very good scored two goals at a World Cup which is phenomenal um, I also think um, Matty Ryan was very very good yes he made a mistake today but I think he was he was outstanding in the last couple of games um, huge for, for Australia and I was I was very very impressed with um, Keanu Bacchus. I thought I thought he was very very good in all the games he came on. I, I, even today, I was a little bit surprised he took him off. I, I thought he was still very very good. He added a bit of fresh legs, a bit of mobility. He's got something special about him actually. Um, and I'd be surprised if he still will be where he is come the end of the season. Sorry, Amy, can I just interrupt you? I've got to say one thing about Harry Suter. Uh, and about myself, you said that I sit in the lounger all day today. Well, actually, it, I forgot about it. I didn't. I got off the lounger today. I went to watch Sunderland against uh, Millwall in the early kickoff. Sunderland won three nil. I bumped into Ian Hart there, who looks after um, Jack Clark now. First thing he said to me is, "How good is that Harry Suter boy, by the way, for Australia?" And then I went down to Hartlepool for the three o'clock kickoff, who got beat five nil off Stockport. And I bumped another ex-colleague called Graham Cavanagh. And the first thing he said to me, "Oh, you're getting back for the Australian game against Argentina? How good is that, Harry Suter, by the way?" So after the injury comeback, everybody over here has been taught, and so that shows the you know how much of a good tournament he has had. Yeah, but I think he's at a better level than where you went to, Bridgie, mate. He's not going to go to those clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we can talk about that in a moment too, Schwartz. He, he's certainly been outstanding. And when you know we remind everyone that he's he's come back from an ACL injury and had very limited minutes under his belt before coming into this tournament, um, and, and partnering with Kai Rolls too, who's what in his fifth or sixth cap for Australia, so absolutely outstanding. They have been in the centre of defence. Does uh, we'll go back, Schwartzy, Michael, Tommy. Does does Craig Goodwin get your most surprising performer of the Socceroos, or is there someone else? Um, You're gonna stick with Bacchus. Yeah, I, I, I probably would. Um, I mean, like, look, I suppose from the players that played the most minutes, yeah, I, I'd say Craig Goodwin. Um, but I was, like, really, really impressed with, with uh, Bacchus. I thought he did really well. Uh, every time I saw him, every time he came on, was excellent. So, yeah, I'd probably, I mean, I'll stick with Goodwin to begin with, but also Bacchus. Yeah. Um, another one I would like to give a shout to Riley McGree. Been doing fantastic on a Michael Carrick at Middlesbrough. And thought he had a, a cracking. He, he was just great in that midfield with uh, Jackson Nerva and Aaron Moy. Uh, thought the way he settled in, and, and again another another guy that is well talked about and sought about over here in the northeast of England. And I thought he was a he was a standout. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree as well. I think no one really talked about uh, Ray McGreen. I think the work rate he put in, um, his control, his one touch football, he's making ability, you know, always wanted the ball. Um, we probably didn't see his, like his strengths where he has the opportunity to go to the opposition box, have shots from distance. Didn't quite get to see that because he scored some unbelievable goals for Middlesbrough this season already. Um, Are you feeling think... all right? Because you've agreed with me twice tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There must be something wrong with me, mate. Tommy, your most surprising performer. 
I think for me it was Mitch Duke actually because um, you know with Dukey he's always going to be a player that plays with a lot of energy and you know wears his heart on his sleeve but in this tournament I thought that some of his hold up play and his touches and the runs he was making he, he you know he really impressed me and I think that it was well like if I can sum up his tournament in one kind of action it was that layoff he did for the first uh, was it which I can't remember which game it was but the with the, his goal actually it was his goal that he his scored, first touch but, yeah yeah his first touch I just thought that you know you always see him fighting and scrapping, but I haven't seen that quality and I have to eat a bit of humble pie because I was probably not including him in my starting lineup before the tournament, but yeah. I was more than happy for him to, to prove me wrong. One of the lads I was sitting with tonight said, who's that pest up front? Who's, who's that Aussie striker, the pest? And I said, what do you mean? He said, he just presses everything. He's a pest. And I thought, yeah, that's a good way to describe him. But he's a good goal scorer as well and a good lad. But I, but I think a lot of us are going to have to eat humble pie. I certainly will have to because I didn't think Australia would get out of the group. Um, so to do what they've done is remarkable. Pick themselves up after France came because obviously it didn't go anywhere near to plan. Um, Arnie called it as a, you know, as a friendly game, which obviously it's not a friendly game, and the damage could have been untold. But the way he pulled the team back together again, the way they worked on things, and the way they moved on from it was impressive. And I think Graham Arnold needs a massive shout out because I think he he managed the team at the World Cup exceptionally well. So I, I was going to uh, go on to a couple of other questions there, but while you've mentioned Arnie, let's let's stick with that theme for the moment. What does he do now? Does he stay on for the next cycle? You'd hope so, I think, from a Socceroos perspective. I mean, you know, if you if you asked most fans maybe three or six months ago, you would almost put you know guarantee that he'd probably move on after this tournament. But you know, the way that he's brought the boys together, they've obviously bought into what he's doing there, and you know, with his tactics and these types of things, and. You know, the belief in the team, I think it would be a shame for him to leave now because it feels like this could be the, the beginning of something, you know, special and hopefully, you know, the Asian Cup coming up, I think we could be a, a real chance for that as well. Uh, the thing about it is I always look, I think about, I look at the cycle and the four-year cycle and, and I, I don't think necessarily keeping the manager on just for the Asian Cup is the right move. I think if you get a manager, it has to be for the full cycle. I mean, that's the plan because sometimes it can go wrong and you need to get rid of the manager for whatever reason. But I think, I think Arnie would look to move on. I don't think he will stay. I think he'll look at this as an opportunity now to get back into club football. I think COVID took a massive toll on a lot of people. Um, but also, what you said, Tommy, there about the togetherness of the side and everything, there is a genuine um, togetherness. And I, I've said it quite a bit recently, or the last couple of days, is that this is not our best team that we sent to a World Cup. If anything, it's probably one well best players. It's probably one of our weakest group of players we've sent to a World Cup. But they're probably our best team we've ever sent, which speaks volume. So that old champion team of champions versus champion team, right? Yeah. So you, you're talking about and and that that only happens. That stems the, from the top, though, doesn't it? That's right. So that only happens from the top. So for all the doubters and all the critics of Graham Arnold, a lot of people have to hold their hand up and eat humble pie as well and say, look, yes, there were times when probably I was right to criticise, but I think now is the time to go hats off and go, what an amazing accomplishment. I've got to say, I don't think you were overcritical of Arnie on the 
choice and style of place water you were critical of a couple of decisions as I was in this section you know but that's open to every time a World Cup squad is announced doesn't matter what nation it is there's going to be speculation and things well why wasn't that person picked we went over that we, you've never been critical of, of Arnie yourself so I think you're doing yourself an injustice are you getting paranoid because I wasn't no not at all I ate humble did. pie I, wasn't I ate humble we pie were. three weeks <laughs> three weeks ago I ate it <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no you're right no but you know, we're all intent everyone has a right or, or, or a an opinion on on a squad selection. Yeah, I've never I've never criticised Arnie in terms of the way that the team have gone about and how their campaign have gone because I wanted to wait until the campaign was finished. I mean, I, I don't want to I don't want to criticise him through it. I'll, I'll, if that's you know if that's not how I'm feeling, of course there were moments where I wasn't happy and I was looking at it just going, what's going on here? What a fall away it's been and what a, a nightmare run it's been. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I think at the end of it, what he did was he qualified. And they qualified through a really difficult path. They did it. And then they get, they get to the World Cup. And yes, we have a major setback against France, but not one that we were so surprised about really. But it's more about what the effect was going to be. But the way then he turned it around and the group of players, that only happens. We've all been in squads. It only happens if everyone is together and everyone believes in the path and believes in the in, in the, the messages. And obviously all these guys completely have bought into it. That they have, and we could talk uh, tactics all day, but we will keep moving very quickly. Name a player that's getting a big move in the summer. Harry Suter. Yeah. <laughs> Simple as that. Anyone else around him? I think that's Kai Rolls maybe as well. I think he was had a really good tournament and, you know, he's been injured. To, to the start of his career at Hearts, um, so he started the season off really strongly there, and then was injured in the in the lead up to the World Cup. But I think this World Cup could give him kind of the platform to to go back to Hearts and have a good season. And I could see yeah, an English team or someone coming in for him for sure. If Harry Suter's moving, where's he going? He's definitely going to a Premier League club. Yeah. He's definitely going to a Premier League club. Where at the moment? I mean, I, I think there's been some mention of West Ham. There's been a bit of rumours about West Ham potentially, and I could see him fitting in really really well with David Moyes uh, in that squad. Um, so yeah, that would be that would be my guess at this moment in time. Crystal Palace has been mentioned as well, Swarty. Which again would be brilliant because Patrick Vieira wants him to play football, and Crystal Palace has changed the whole way that they, you know their whole dynamics and the way that they want to play as a football team, and that would suit Harry because he can play in any any type of system because he's more than capable of playing with the ball at his back at, at the back. Um, the one player I also think will get a move off the back of this, um, I'm pretty certain, uh, is Matty Ryan. Because he's proven he's far better than being a number two at Copenhagen behind that Muppet, um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, <laughs> here, here, with the utmost respect, of course, um, yeah. and uh, said the goalkeeper to, never. And he needs to um, he needs to find a club where he's going to be num- number one and play week in week out. Have a manager that believes in him, and clearly where he is at the moment, they don't believe in him. And I think he showed at this World Cup that he's more more than capable of playing at the highest level week in week out. Anyone else, Bridgie? Not not big moves. Summer moves. Um, <clears throat> Riley McGree possibly in the Premier League if Middlesbrough managed to get there. Um, they've struggled really at the start of the season, but Michael Carrick's been inspirational and he's put the faith in Riley McGree. So the way he has been performing, uh, Middlesbrough may get in via the playoffs in that way. So I think that, that's another one to watch out for. And I'd like to see Juki. Uh, I know he's 31. Yeah. I'd like to see Juki get a move. He's in J2. I'd like to see him get his movies. Family from the UK, and I think there's a lot of Championship clubs. I'm not saying Premier League clubs. I think there's a lot of Championship clubs he could do a job for, you know, because he's he's that type of 
terrier attacker that goes and presses. He's, he, he'll, he niggles defenders. He'll go and try and win every aerial battle. And he knows how to find the back of the net. So um, I know his family are over here as well. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's talk about the uh, amazing impact that these players and this coach and this, this group, this team, this brand has had on Australian football. And firstly, I want to ask, what does this do for our ranking? We're obviously 38th heading into this tournament. Argentina were third in the world. Um, you know, we've only gone down 2-1 to, to one of the top five teams. We've seen uh, a lot of teams above us knocked out um, earlier than us. What does it do to our ranking? I think FIFA rankings have always been a source of a bit of controversy. I mean, I'm not sure how, they, how, how the points are even accrued because, you know, you saw Belgium, they were ranked, was it number two in the world? And you saw how they fared in this tournament. So... Um, I, th- I think the on, biggest... not just this tournament, Tommy. Most yeah. tournaments they do yeah. absolutely terrible. It's true, but I think that you know, ranking aside, I think that the best thing that has come from this tournament is the belief. I think there's a lot more belief in in the national team now than there has been. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. All right, well, surely by now you've seen the images of the live sites. Uh, We saw Melbourne originally outdoing themselves again today, opening the stadium, but Sydney at Tumbalong Park was absolutely packed out. So amazing to see. How do we harness this love of football for longer? Well, I think it's going to continue into the Women's World Cup, isn't it? The Women's World Cup is coming. The Matildas have got to grasp it. It's coming to Australia and New Zealand. Um, and, you know, the momentum is going to be huge. I was seeing on a, a podcast a few nights ago off the back of the Socceroos and coming into the Matildas. We've got to try and maximise it as best we can with blooming, getting as many people and challenging all the other codes and, and maximising sponsorships. Um, and I swore to you, I still love what you had said about the the rego fees and, and what kids are paying to play the game, I still think that's absolute BS and um, that needs to be addressed. And there's going to be ways that things can be done differently and, and try and you've got to maximise. There's going to be sponsors wanting to come on board. Um, everybody's talking about it. The game is growing. The Matildas, like I say, it was Sam Kerr that got my daughter involved in it uh, when she went to watch her at MacDonald Jones Stadium. Uh, playing against Brazil. It's moments like that. So this has captivated a lot of people. Like you say, I've seen the scenes from over here in England about Fed Square and everything. Everybody's talking about in England and around the world the the way the Australians have been celebrating in the middle of the night. Uh, so it's something's got to be done. I don't know what it is. I'm sure the other lads will have something to say. I, I think um, we can't wait until the Women's World Cup. Even though it's only around the corner, we need to build on the momentum right now. Um I mean, there's a couple of things for me is that there's a big bugbear. Um, obviously, you know, the fees is one thing I brought up and had a conversation with, um, uh, certainly with James Johnson as well the next day, uh, Peter Philopoulos and Will Hasty from the FA. So I had very constructive conversations with them about moving forward and ideas and plans to implement a program to try and help reduce to actually even provide some sort of program where there's no fees involved at all. Um, 
but that and then that's something that I've said that that I believe needs to be done immediately. But more, I also and I think that's incredibly important, and also the FA to acknowledge that they understand there's a, there's an issue with the costs of fees. Um, I also think we as 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 firstly a football code, um, the football federation as supporters of the game, people as taxpayers need to put pressure on state governments because I think the state governments have a lot to answer for because when you look at the numbers of funding that goes to other codes, it's so disproportionate, it is embarrassing that taxpayers' money goes to codes that have far fewer participants. They, 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 the funding that goes to them is so disproportionate, it's incredible. And I, I believe it has to be equal. If they decide that one's going to get one sort of funding, they should be all getting the same. I, I just think it's crazy that they're so disproportionate and it's allowed to continue that people don't step up and say something. Um, football's the most participated sport in the whole of the country. So why are people, and, and it's taxpayers' money that goes to that funding, so why are people not standing up and going, hang on a second, it starts from, from governments, state governments, um, to to get involved, to 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 make a difference. And the Football Federation need to get on board. They need to put pressure on um, because look look what it's done to the country look look how it's the only sport that unites the entire country so you're better at politics than you are punditry I'm, I'm getting on I'm getting on your bandwagon mate keep keep talking this is quality no, it's the only sport that unites the entire country yeah I mean you look at the demographic demographics of the team you look at even over time from when I grew up to the current squad, the demographics have slightly changed. Of course, that's just the way it is. Migration, you know, immigration, we have that. And we need to embrace it. And, and it's something that is so encompassing. It's so bringing the country together. No other sport can do it. So I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me that state governments in particular and also state federations need to have a look at themselves and they need to get on board and they need to work together to make sure that we come up to full speed with the rest of the codes because it's actually unfair. It's actually, it's wrong. A little round of applause there for Schwartzy, I think, <laughs> off the back of that. Uh, we do have to talk other games, uh, of course, being played at the Men's World Cup, so let's get back to that. The Netherlands had a, a very convincing win over the USA. Louis van Gaal's Dutch side have, have been slammed uh, in the Netherlands for being too boring, but uh, I'm not sure how that really matters now that they're into the quarterfinals. No, they turned... Oh, sorry, go on, Tommy. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, no, nah, they, were, they were fantastic and... I think right at the start of the game, I think it was the first two minutes, US, the US had a massive chance that they missed. And I think they'll live to, to rue that, that miss because after that, you know, the Netherlands completely dominated and they had you know, a lot of chances they could have scored. And Dumfries, the, the right back, he was kind of at the heart of everything. I think he got a goal and an assist in the end. But um, no, nah, I mean, they've kind of just slid under the radar so far this tournament and probably haven't played their best, but they seem to be growing into the tournament well and I think they're going to be a tough team for Argentina in the next round. Yeah, they're not relying on they're not relying on players. They they're sharing the goals around which has been super impressive as well. Um you know, you were seeing Dumfries got one there, the other the other wing back got one as well. So it's it's been shared around. It's um it's very very impressive like you say going under the radar. Um and I thought they they were absolutely magnificent today. They they, they outplayed and they they're growing with every game. The first game I thought was so boring to watch them, but they're they're growing and they're they're really impressing us. They're, they're a bit of a threat. I'm looking forward to going to the Dutch press conference because Louis Van Gaal's absolutely cra- he's a cracker. Like 
him always having goes back at the Dutch press as well. I'm looking forward to that. I really am. That's going to be the highlight of my World Cup, I reckon. And I hope he does crack back at one of them when I'm there. Well, maybe you can ask him about style and substance while you're there, Schwartz, because I feel like this is a bit of an age-old debate. Uh, we see it with Spurs and, and Conte mm-hmm. and Simeone and previously with Mourinho at Chelsea. Do you think people should just leave him alone if he's getting the results? Yeah, the Dutch is different, right? And, and, and there's a lot of Dutch, you know, if you speak to a lot of Dutch coaches, mani- uh, players... The Dutch are always critical of their team, always. And Tommy will tell you, the, the, the Dutch are super critical. They they want to play a certain style of football, and if they don't do it, they're going to be criticised for it. And and if they don't have success, obviously they're criticised. But if they have success, they're kind of a little bit... If, they have, if they've had success but haven't been beautiful to watch and play the perfect football, they kind of get a little bit of a pat on the back, but they're still upset because they're not playing the perfect football. And that's where Van Gaal finds himself in. I think right Ajax as well, you know, the way they play, it kind of affects the, the psychology of the whole country mm-hmm. because everybody expects the national team to play the Ajax way. But, you know, they, they don't have Ajax players and obviously they've got some world-class talent. And we saw in the 2014 World Cup as well when Van Gaal was in charge, I don't think they played their best football, but they, they nearly won the whole tournament. So, I mean, he, he obviously has a, a know-how to get results, and with the experience in the squad he's got, I think that you know it's a results business, and he's just in it to win it. All right, Bridgie, let's go to you, because I want to talk about Denzel Dumfries. Obviously, he was amazing today. Two assists, a goal line clearance, and a goal. He's been absolutely outstanding. We're going to see him uh, make a Premier League move this January, or we have to wait till next summer? It, it, every tournament, he seems to be the energy to burn. Can he get a move the way he's performing? Yeah, I'm sure there'll be loads of clubs we after him. He's fit. He's agile. He's shown he can get up and down if you've if you've got that kind of athleticism, and you've got that. He knows how to find the back of the net. There will be no doubt. Um, and the other one I think we talked about was um, Gap Gap. I can't even see his name. Gakpo. Uh, he'll from PSV. He'll be another one that I think we will definitely see moving to the Premier League, or or they'll be going to a, you know a massive team uh, in Europe, no doubt about it. But the Premier League is where everybody wants to be. We've got an up to sport, so I think we'll be seeing Dumfries next season definitely. Well, a big congratulations uh, to the Netherlands and Argentina with a little bit of uh, uh, saying that on making it through to the top eight. We find out uh, tomorrow two more teams will obviously join them. We've got France taking on Poland and then England lining up against Senegal. Let's start with the game between France and Poland. And Bridgie, you'll just have to wait your turn for this one on England. But between France and Poland, both of these teams coming off a loss. Uh, France's I guess you could say B or C team losing to Tunisia and Poland being edged out 2-0 by Argentina. I still can't believe I'm saying that when Australia only lost 2-1, that a team that lost 2-0 is is going to kick on, hopefully. But anyway, will the champions get the job done? I think so. Um, yeah, I think Poland in the last game was a little bit disappointing against Argentina and, you know, France getting, you know, Mbappe and Griezmann back into the starting lineup. I think that'll just be too strong. Yeah, I agree. I, I think France will be too strong for Poland. Um, they were they were just hanging on Poland. They just wanted a result to get through. They were just desperate. Um, mind you, Argentina were absolutely on fire as well. Um, and I think it's great that it was, you know, only two days ago that that game was. So they, they're a little bit um, a little bit less intense today, Argentina. Uh, but Poland, yeah, look, I, I think Lewandowski up front scored his first goal at World Cup, which was was nice to see. Um, but they haven't got too much else. So I don't think they'll really pose a big threat to, to France. 
I tend to agree with you. This one will go France's way. And then we can talk about England. They've faced uh, African opponents 20 times, including seven at a World Cup, and they're yet to lose. So the stats really sit on their side. But will they be able to keep that streak alive or can we see a Senegal upset? I would love to say with confidence that it is going to be a three Lions victory, but I've been super impressed with Senegal. Uh, you know, Koulibaly, the captain at the back, we've, we've seen him move to the Premier League. Mendy, another goalkeeper. Ismail Saw, who I love. He got a penalty. They're very strong. I think the only saving grace for England at the minute is um, guys gaze out in the midfield. Um, he's going to be a miss for them. But yeah, th- this is a. And obviously, Mon has been missing, but they've proved they can do it without him. So this is a team that know how to win. They've done very well in the African Nations. They've done well in qualification for the World Cup. And they've done very well during the World Cup. So um, I think this could be a potential. Um, yeah, they've got to go in the right mindset. England have the players to do it. They go in with the right mindset, so they don't go in with any airs of arrogance, and they go in there and get the job done, but it is not going to be easy. I can see this one being settled an extra time or penalties, to be honest with you. I think England will win, to be honest. Love you, Tommy. Um, Love you, son. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there's a lot of pressure on, on the England side, but I think they, they'll have too much too much quality in this game, to be honest. Um, we saw, like you said, Bridget just said, Senegal, they've definitely impressed in this tournament. And we saw in the first game against the Netherlands, they played the Netherlands off the park. So it's not going to be you know very straightforward, but I think that um, I think England will win. I, I agree. I mean, I think England, I think England will win. But this World Cup has already shown us, right, that 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 that's not always the case. Who should win does doesn't always win, and I think they're in a position where they've got a lot of players who are playing really well at this World Cup, and they had that kind of minor scare, I think, against the US, and you know the, the second half performance against Wales was very good. I just think they'll have too much for Senegal. I just I can see England getting really far. Like I, I can get like minimum semi final. I don't think. Um, I think England are just too good too, and I think they're just in the right place right now, and they've got enough experience. Um, and it, it, it kills me saying it, seeing Bridgie celebrate in the background. Um, yeah, I just, I just find them they're in such good form, and there's so many good players that are also in the right frame of mind, the right form, and Gareth seems to be getting all the right decisions, all the key decisions right at the moment. And Marcus Rashford, too, leading the golden boot race, or equal leading the golden boot race. So plenty more goals to come tomorrow, no doubt. And I I just can't believe what's happening with Mark Schwarzer and Michael Bridges uh, agreeing on absolutely everything, what is going on. I've got to take everything with a pinch of salt that this man says, right? I'm not getting carried away because he said Germany were going to win the World Cup and they're on their way home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I also I also said Harry Kane would score uh, be leading goal scorer, didn't I? Bloody yeah, you hell. did. You've What's had an absolute knacker. I have had a stinker. Can I ask one question? Can I ask one question to Swartzy? Because obviously, you know, myself, Amy, and, and Tommy are not over there on the ground. You you're actually there. <clears> there was a thing we did in the podcast yesterday. I was saying if Socceroos win and we knock Argentina out of the World Cup. It could be Messi's last game for Argentina at a World Cup. Who was who would get his shirt? Now, he scored the goal. Do you know out the Socceroos camp who managed to get Messi's jersey after the game if he did give it to anybody? Uh, you know what? I didn't even look. I, I saw... I did I did see um, Jason Cummings 
go over to him and kind of like I think three times on TV him. he tried yeah I think yeah. he asked him yeah there was quite a bit of talking going on and patting on the back and I think he gave him a cuddle and wanted to give him another one I think I think Jason Cummins wanted to take him home actually that's the way it looked for me um, but I didn't really pay much attention otherwise because I was obviously I was obviously quite devastated because I, I thought the guys did incredibly well and was so well, unlucky please try and find out that's that's your mission to find out who got it, please, from the inside the camp. If you're on the ground down there, please. But it's, um, it's somebody's retirement fund. Oh, check in tomorrow to find out the answer to that question. And on that note of the cum dog taking Messi home, we will uh, leave our podcast right there. A big thank you to the crew for joining me today. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Bridgie. Thank you, Schwartzy. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. And I leave you with the image of uh, the Australian players after the game and, and the look on their face when it was just oh so close and we knew how oh so close we've come. But we're very proud of our Aussie boys this morning. Don't forget the Gagan Pod is on daily during the World Cup. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate us five stars while you're there, especially while Schwartzy and Bridgie are agreeing. And a reminder that the WSL does continue in the UK. You can get all the games live and exclusive on Optus Sport. I've been your host. To Amy Duggan. Thank you so much for listening to the Gagan Pod. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.